Morning, everybody. Oh, I wish I didn't feel so ill this morning. So if you're feeling ill at the same time, might as well feel ill together, mightn't we? I think a problem shared is a problem shared. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, there's nothing worse is there than turning on the radio first thing in the morning. And the bloke who's supposed to be there to kind of get you up and into the day is going, I really, I really don't feel very well, you know. I really, and it started, strangely enough, I think it's the change of weather. I'm totally convinced that this... And I've not put the heating on at home. I've still not put the heat. I'm trying to resist because I'm thinking I put the heating on. It's going to make me worse. But uh, everybody else has got this thing. They've either got a, a sore throat. It's not. It's not cold or. Fl- I've had flu jabs. You have to when you when you're sort of people like us. Uh, if you're elderly and you've got a chronic illness, <laughs> so you have the the, uh, the flu jab and all the rest of it. But uh, it's it's it's, it's obviously some virus. I bet it's from Krista. I've got this horrible feeling. Oh, once one person gets an infection because of central heating and because of air conditioning and stuff like that, we all get infected. And I was surprised over the weekend at how little television I watched. I actually spent most of the weekend out, including going to the Winter Wonderland. Shan't be going there again. It was heaving. I've never been in such... I mean, stupidly, I went on Sunday... And it was like the entire world was out on Sunday with the family and the kids. And the, Why do people take dogs to Funfair? Don't take dogs. They don't like it. It's bright lights and loud noises. And, and they seem to have crammed in more stalls this year than ever before. I know that Charlie Girling went, went down there because I think one, one Direction was sort of involved with opening it. They've got all, all the big rides. Don't get me wrong. The most expensive ride is six pounds. Six pounds a ride. So you, you can't pay cash. You just have a, a ticket and, and then you sort of rip off your tickets and give them to them and you get on the ride. The person I went, went with doesn't do rides, so we just sort of walk around looking at them, which is a bit of a pointless exercise as far as I'm concerned. You go to a fun fair, you go to a ride. It's like going to a circus going, I really can't bear this. You know, but I'm sitting here in the front row with, with a funny clown, which is a bit of a shame. So um, we walked around, well, I say walk around, we crawled around with everybody else trying to negotiate Pram City. Which was, why people want to take babies to fun fairs? It's noisy, it's... Bra- you know, it's... it's oh, I don't know. And so I didn't see Russell Grant getting booted off the television. I did see the mist and the fog. Crikey, I mean, I'd know... Out our way, because I'm out near, uh, near Heathrow, I'm not at all surprised the flights were cancelled. And I think, to a certain extent today, they're trying to get themselves back to where they were had we not had the fog. So if you got caught up in it, let us know. Because it probably ruins your weekend when they go, you're not flying. You thought, you know, it's a bit like EasyJet, isn't it, on that programme? Although I'm delighted to say that most of Liverpool Airport are going out on strike. They've decided to do a two-day strike. I thought, having seen the EasyJet programme over the weekend, which must be years ago now, they love it when people miss these flights. The more I watch it, the more I'm now of the opinion that when somebody comes up and they go, sorry, flight's closed, and they think, and the person's there going, listen, I was trying to get the car, I'm ever so sorry, we can't get you on now. And they said, you, you don't care, do you? The captain won't accept you. And they sit there, they just, they brazen it out. They love it. They absolutely so, so love it. Any, anybody who, who suffers misery. Mind you, I like misery too. I like misery. There's that girl in, oh, I'll tell you, uh, before I mention anything, over the weekend, we, last week we had Cliff Richard. And he discovered that a new radio station weren't going to play uh, his hits. And he's had more hits than most people. And, and as usual, every so often, Cliff will, will get a story in the paper and the Cliff fans will sort of galvanise themselves and they'll all be out there and, and they're very nice and I think he, he's great. Sometimes, you know, you go a little bit cringy-cringy. Well, this time, he's now pulling no punches. 50 years in show business and he's talking about uh, being a tax exile because he is. He says, I've been a resident in Barbados for five years. Uh, being a bachelor boy... He says, I enjoy being single, I won't be adopting a baby like Elton, and I have no desire to pass on my genes. And the calendar 
He says, they're a laugh. He says, uh, but there will come a time when I won't do them. And then, of course, he always adds the extra bit. And the extra bit is, I have outsold Justin Bieber and JLS. And that's, you know, you think, just be a little bit humble occasionally. A little bit humble. But people love his calendars. And I think in the latest one, I think he's taking his clothes off. You know, which is not the kind of thing you probably want to see with a 71-year-old. I don't know. Well, obviously you do, actually. But he, ha- he had a pop at the uh, the show, and he says, Take it from, from me, Simon Cowell. This is directed to him. You will never discover a global star on X Factor. Well, you know, well, Susan Boyle they had, but she wasn't discovered on X Factor. Although she was on the Children in Need programme. I can't sing for Toffee. She was off-key. Not one note did she hit. I wasn't the only one who noticed it. All the critics noted it, noted it as well, and they all said the same. You know, she's a very, very, very average singer. If you brought her in here now and said, OK, sing Perfect Day for me, because it's a very... It's a nice song. It's one of my favourites, you know. Such a perfect day. You know, I mean, I'm actually perfect pitch, so I'm, I'm the ideal person to sing. She was terrible. She sings some of these songs. You think, who's picked that for you? Uh, we found something as well in the papers today, that anybody over the age of 40 is going to go, you're joking. They've never found that. They, ha- they found something that, that had been hidden for 70 years, and they've only just uncovered it. Not another tomb in the Valley of the Kings. Although I did watch the embalming process the other day of that poor man who died and wanted to be embalmed, and they showed it on the television. I sat there squirming a little bit, thinking... Because, first of all, there's him chatting with his wife... And then the next minute, there he is being... And you think, oh, dear. And they went to Egypt, where they uncovered a, a, a tomb, and it was sealed. And that's always good news for a tomb in Egypt. If they find one in the Valley of the Kings, and it's sealed, it means that the grave robbers didn't get in. And on this particular one, they uh, took all the bricks out, and there was a perfect royal family, all embalmed, out of their... Co- they'd just been laid in this tomb, and they'd been there for, well, days. Days, many of them. <laughs> And then they sort of x-ray them. It was quite fascinating, because you're watching the uncovering of something that hasn't seen the light of day and probably never expected to see the light of day. 84850, uk or 08456060973, because this is the day that you're going to be going out and you're buying all your Christmas presents. I don't know why they think it's today. Online. This is Amazon and Comet. This is the pre-Christmas shopping rush. I think they've just made it up. I think they've made it up. I mean, because how do they know this is the day? I mean, because I'm not going to buy anything today, just in, in direct retaliation and protest that I will not be... I mean, it's too early, isn't it? I mean, I do buy online. Make no mistake about it. It's, it's, it's a lot easier. All they're doing is just publicising Comet's five-day frenzy, which will see prices slashed by half. It's just, just a bit of pre-publicity, isn't it? Try and get you interested in Comet. Don't take out one of their credit cards. 38%, I believe, interest rate. Which is just... It's way over and above... But if you're one of these people who lives on credit from hand to mouth, then you'll, you'll probably go for it. Last year, Amazon Black Friday deals included CDs for a pound and Nintendo Wii's for 50 quid. But the, strunt, the, the stunt attracted complaints as many of the best deals sold out within seconds. But that's, but that's like a sale, isn't it? You see, we have a sale and to get you in... I used to work in a, in a store years ago. And to get people in, we would have special offers. There'd always be a three-piece suite. And this is a few years ago. And it was, sorry, it was, that's right, or, or failing that, you should show a bit of leg or something, like a bit of flesh. Three pounds the suite would be, reduced from, say, 300 to three pounds. And they'd have something else, you know, uh, a gramophone or whatever it happened, not a gramophone, but you know, that, you know the kind of thing I mean. And they'd have it down to a pound. And people would queue 
for these items, and there'd be bargains throughout the store, and they would issue tickets, and they would garner publicity that way. And so if you see people queuing, like you saw them queuing outside the Apple store, immediately you go, what are they queuing for? Let's, I think we'll join that queue, because we're British. We like a queue. And so we sort of start, what, what do you queue for? I've no idea. I'm just queuing. Uh, well, what do you think you're going to buy? I've no idea at all. I'm just following everybody else. They look, looks interesting. And, all right, so do you think you might buy something? I have no idea what's inside the shop. I shall wait till I get there. Could be a tin of biscuits. But you're outside the Apple store. Am I really? Good Lord. thought I was queuing for Top Girl or something, or Top Shop or anything like that. And so, so we automatically queue up and we go in and we buy things. So I'm not sure about this five-day mega sale sparking a pre-Christmas shopping rush. I think all they've done is they've pretended that this is when we all go mad online. Because, I, I mean, I can tell you this is the day I'm doing this show naked. And every year I do this show naked, and that's why it's become immensely popular. Because people know that if they tune in on the internet, you can see the studio and everything else, and, uh, and you get to see the presenter naked. And that's how it works. Not. It'd be funny. It's the same kind of thing as it? it's just trying to drum up interest in something. We don't need to drum up any interest at the moment. Uh, Russell, on the front page of one of the papers today, they express the mail, tell you that uh, Colonel Gaddafi's favourite son could face death by firing squad. Surprised he's lived this long, actually. He was pretending to be a poor shepherd in a car. Uh, the Daily Mirror, Noel Gallagher, who's launched this legal battle against his brother. I find it dreadfully sad that in this day and age, people go to court. Uh, they've actually filed high court papers over a, over a spat, I think. Uh, he's branded spiteful and childish by his brother. Liam insulted my wife, claims Noel in court. Who cares? Why would you go to court over this? Doesn't that waste everybody's time? Can't you just sort of say, listen, uh, she doesn't like you. Okay, right, fair enough. And you just sort of have an argument that way. I don't see why on earth we, we sort of go to court for this kind of stuff. Uh, also, Rihanna wore shoes daubed with the words off in front of millions live on the x-actor last night well that's why she's got front page headlines on the sun so kind of worked apparently there's another story in the paper today that says that we're not bothered by people swearing we are absolutely not worried um about that at all swearing apparently is good for people it's an it's an expression princess margaret apparently swore like a trooper and nobody ever sort of said anything wrong about her uh they're still out in the jungle apparently mark wright um who is I have to read you one of the uh, one of the uh, the columnists over the weekend. It was very funny about Mara, who apparently snores. That's never a good thing, is it? If you're trying to look for a relationship, and uh, and then you know you sort of spend the night. Uh, they've also who have we got rid of out of the X Factor? I can't remember. Uh, we, Craig Colton was out. I think. I mean, he, there's no way he's going to be a global star. They're looking for an album. Put this way, it doesn't make any difference. There's a tour next year, which they're all booked in on. It's like the dancing. The dancing people from uh, from the BBC didn't work at all in Wembley. Really didn't work. Six and a half thousand people. You couldn't hear the orchestra. Couldn't hear Tess Daly, but that was just a mercy, I think, for most of us. And um, and it, the, the place was just too big. Too big. And uh, and we send our thoughts as well this morning to Robin Gibb as he battles liver cancer. Uh, I've interviewed him a couple of times, actually. I've interviewed his wife as well, uh, who is with him at the moment, and his uh, family have flown in. From America, Barry, his uh, brother, and his mother is 91, I believe. So we send thoughts to him and uh, hope that he, uh, he gets better soon. Quarter past five. These are the headlines you're waking up to. If you're flying from London later, it's best to check before you travel, as fog continues to cause problems. Yesterday, more than 100 flights were cancelled at Heathrow and London City Airport. It's likely to clear later this morning. 
The man's been charged after four police officers were stabbed on Saturday in Kingsbury. Two are still seriously injured. 32-year-old Christopher Houghton faces three counts of attempted murder. And a plan to help the economy by building 16,000 new homes is unveiled later. The aim is to spend £400 million restarting existing construction projects which have stalled because of a lack of cash. Downstairs to the LBC 97.3 Travel Centre, and this morning it's Andy McCall. Good morning, Steve. Uh, no problems so far on the age. Steve Allen. Good morning. 19 minutes past uh, five. Now, Kevin O'Sullivan was writing over the weekend. He says, lest we forget a morale-boosting message from Essex boy Mark Wright to our brave troops fighting abroad. As he endured the lucrative hardship of ITV's annual Rumble in the Jungle, Mr Moron solemnly declared... It makes you appreciate what what forces soldiers go through for us throughout, wherever they are, out in Africa and places like that. He doesn't even know we're in Afghanistan, quite clearly. He says, unbelievable. And this ludicrous airhead is the favourite to win. Handsome but disastrously dim right. Hasn't really got this I'm a celeb lark in proportion. He seems to believe he's involved in some sort of epic feat of heroism. He says, tears welling in his eyes, Dumbo vowed, I won't let my family down, I won't let the public down, and I won't let the camp down. Kevin O'Sullivan writes, oh, shut up, it's a stupid television programme, not the Battle of the Somme. <laughs> Just what he's trying to make it out. So here we go again, another na- gaggle of minor stars eating insects in Australia, while cheeky chappies Ant and Deck fall about laughing at their own side-splitting jokes. And so it goes on. But it is, it is the ludicrousness of the whole thing, isn't it? doing this for my family. I'm doing... Oh, shut up, you silly little girl's blouse. It's just a TV programme. That's all it is. It's a television programme where you're making some money to try and further a career. That's all it is. It is nothing else. You're not fighting a war. You're not... Oh, good. 25% of drivers want a road tax for cyclists. Well, that cheered me up immensely this morning. I also would like a 25% road tax for cyclists. If you're using the roads, just imagine, because most cyclists are a little bit prima donna-ish about motor cars. But in fact, seeing as we fund the roads and we pay for the roads for our road fund licence, cyclists pay nothing at all. I begin to wonder if, of course, there were just cyclists on the road, who'd be paying for it? The cyclists, of course. I wish they had insurance. I wish they had road fund licence. One in eight has been knocked off by a motorist. When I say knocked off, you know, knocked off their, their bicycle. And so, but then they do jump lights. I shouted at a woman the other day, going through, through, uh, through Twickenham. Light turning on this Friday. Um, and she said, um, sorry, she, she sort of, as I came across, it was like a junction, she just carried on cycling. So I'm afraid I had to do what most right-thinking people do. I wound down the window. Well, I didn't wind it down, because I push a button. And I shouted at her, don't you see red lights? What are you, stupid? Could have caused an accident. No, you know, no idea how to cycle whatsoever. What have happened to the cycling proficiency test? Years and years ago... You know, you had a cycling proficiency, and you got a badge. And at the end of the day, it proved that you were able to actually... We had some of the other... We had all these cyclists coming through Twickenham on Sunday, or was it Saturday? I can't remember when it was. And um, and they've all got their Go Faster stripes on and their little helmets and everything else. And they just... They totally ignore cars. They quite clearly don't do... I think secretly they go home, they've got loads of cars. I just think that, actually. Uh, when you said they found something undiscovered for years, I thought it was going to be Bobby Davro's talent, Steve, but no... That still doesn't seem to exist. <laughs> and Steve, you went off on a tangent. What did they find that they lost for seven? I'm holding out for this one. I'm not telling you straight away. It's so good, I don't want to tell you straight away. I really don't want to tell you straight away. But it's something that's lain undiscovered for 70 years. 70 years. They've known about it, 
They've just never found it. But now they've found this. It's got you intrigued, hasn't it? If anybody writes in and says what it is, I certainly shan't be mentioning it at all. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk Other stories in the paper today. Strangely enough, they were talking about the uh, X Factor, accused of shamelessly using sob stories to save Misha B from being voted off. And then they had the the other girl, didn't they? Was it... uh, Amelia, Amelie, some, one of those sort of people, and she was talking about, on the front page of one of the Sundays, I'm going blind. And I thought, she's a type 1 diabetic. There is the risk that, you know, your eyesight can be affected. There is the risk that you can have limbs amputated. But what they've done is they've sort of made it out as if she was going blind like today. Anybody who's diabetic gets their, their eyes tested on a regular basis just to make sure there's no, no glaucoma, little darkenings or anything like that. We all have it done. We all have it done. So, but, but to sort of to masquerade it as a news story was a little bit misleading, I'm afraid. I wasn't, I wasn't too happy about reading about that because I just thought, they're obviously sitting there thinking, what can we do uh, to try and get a story on the front page? Let's talk about her going blind. You know, she injects four times a day. I know people who do that. You know, there's, there's thousands and thousands of us. But it's uh, not really a front-page story. I think they were just sort of milking it a little bit. Nice to see the Saturdays were doing the rounds, singing live, and, uh, and they were doing quite well. Uh, I noticed that the one who's been ill, who I think is, her name is Frankie. Is it Frankie? So she's, she's been in, you know, sort of off the, the scene for a little while. In the same way that the girl from Girls Aloud, uh, Sarah Harding, has also been absent from the scene and couldn't turn up to Kimberley's birthday party the other day because uh, she was elsewhere. And I thought, the trouble is with these people, they're so attention-seeking that when it all backfires and, and they go into meltdown because they've been out to parties, I think Frankie Kokosa cancelled something the other night because he, he, he wasn't feeling very well. He was well enough to go to a nightclub and infect people with all his germs uh, for a lucrative fee. But as everybody said, after he started singing, they started booing because he can't sing. There's no, you know, there's no point in sort of going out there and pretending you can sing when you have no talent whatsoever. But quite clearly, an agent, and I'm assuming he's still with the X Factor company, he must be, can't have let him go that quickly, uh, is, is actually milking it and sending him out to see if they can get some money out of it. 84850, uk. Actually, on the, the subject of uh, removing uh, How Are You and, uh, and the other one, Shed not a tear, ladies and gentlemen. Not, not, not for any particular reason about the fact that they're not losing any money. They've both got very long contracts, and they, will, they were thinking about this some time ago to try and bring somebody in. There have been various names put into the frame. Eamon Holmes, yet again. Now, you remember that first time round, and then something happened whereby they'd already signed them, but he thought he was going to get the gig. So he's quite clearly looking to move from Sky because his name's popped up in the frame yet again, although they wanted Adrian to stay... They didn't want her. And so, strangely enough, based on that, they've given her, although it must have been offered before, the Holly Willoughby job on the Dancing on Ice next to Philip Schofield. Now, I would have thought, if people don't want to get up in the morning, and that's how it works in the business, you know, if people listen to you, you get good figures. She never got good figures. Why would you put her on a good programme? Quite clearly, the public don't like her. You know, there's 66 million in the country, 700,000 were tuning into them. (laughs) Peanuts, ladies and gentlemen. Absolute peanuts. So why would you put her on the Dancing and Ice? Holly Willoughby's moving to another programme. But I thought she worked really well with Philip. It was a nice nice little teaming. Perhaps she's been offered more money. Or perhaps somebody said, listen, this is your way of, of an inroad into the Beeb or something like that. I've got no idea. But whatever it is, you know, Christine Bleakley is, is just not, not good telly. She's a bit... 
sounds awful to say she's a bit plastic. You know, she's got all the ingredients, she can string two words together, and she looks nice, it's just, it comes over as fake. It comes over as false, it comes over as, you know, you don't even believe what you're saying to us. It's like just reading words off a card. There's no, there's no depth to it at all. Uh, it was the Amelia X Factor exclusive, says Paul. This is where uh, the, uh, the X Factor favourite, 17, talks about I may go blind, talking to the people about her daily battle with chronic diabetes. Before I, know, I go any further, he says, I appreciate she's got type 1, which anybody who has or knows of people who've got the condition, including yourself, and my 82-year-old dad, it's an awful place to be in. And my thoughts and wishes go out to her. However, he says, my main problem was why the article was written in the first place. My first thought was that there'd be mention of the steps forward that are being made on a daily basis with treatment, and possibly that Amelia might urge people to go and see the doctor if they've got the symptoms. You know, well, that's what I said. Because what they were doing, they were doing it as a sensational story. She said, you've got to keep her in, she might be going blind. Everybody with diabetes might be going blind. That's why we have the tests, and, and it, it's just such a shame. I've always said to people, go and, go and get tested if you think you've got diabetes, and, the, you know, and, and the, the symptoms are going to toilet a lot, like a lot, and um, I'm feeling that sweating, a lot of sweating. You know, if you're slightly overweight or it runs in the family, you might have, we're constantly finding people here at Global who are diabetic. I've never met so many in a building. I think we should form a global club, actually. The Global Diabetes Club. <laughs> he said, but anyway, sadly, none of that was mentioned. And by the time I'd finished the story, I came to the conclusion it was nothing more than an attempt to win votes. He said, furthermore, by stressing all of the downsides of the condition, I fear people will be discouraged to go and seek help. Yes, I mean, I, I, I think so too. I mean, if, if anything, they really should have put on there, listen, you know, if, if you think you're, you're diabetic, go and get checked out with your doctor. They've, they've made marvellous inroads. You don't have a needle six inches long now to inject with them. Tiny things. You know, six millimetre stuff. I want to hear from you this morning as well, if you had a flight affected by yesterday's foggy condition. Did you go to the airport? Or did you get wise and listen to LBC 97.3? And we said, don't go to the airport. Because in London, and it was strange, I was listening to somebody uh, on LBC yesterday who was saying, oh, it's lovely, the, the weather's really lovely in London. As I'm ploughing through fog... Out, out in the sun. Time I came to London, it was lovely. The sunshine was out and it looked great. But out in the suburbs, out by Heathrow, terrible. So if you were affected by uh, the fog yesterday, eight four eight five zero stevenlbc.co.uk or oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. And I'd love to know as well if you've ever been affected by bankruptcy. Have you ever got into that situation whereby, and it's going to happen this year to certain people, probably somebody listening at the moment who's borrowed money on a credit card or who has uh, taken out a loan uh, because you've reached the end of your tether, you can't make ends meet, you don't know what else there is to sell, you've raided the kids' piggy bank. Kerry Katona has repaid all the debts that forced her into bankruptcy. So that's good. It means she can be formally discharged and um, she's also got her divorce through, so that's very good. She wants uh, £2 million a year. And, uh, and a, Fred, a friend said last night, she's really chuffed and she should be. She's put her head down and worked hard. She went into, I'm a celebrity. I don't call that work. Work is doing a 12-hour day. Not standing there having your hair done for a television programme. I don't call that work, I'm afraid. Perhaps it's a bit cynical of me. But, uh, but anyway, now um, she should be able to get a credit card again. And somebody has said what she should do is actually give up the celebrity lifestyle, actually get a proper job. Somebody said, maybe she could open an upmarket hair and beauty salon. And I thought, with, with what possible qualifications? With what possible... You don't want to end up looking like Kerry Katona, do you? Good Lord above. It's LBC 97.3. Time now this Monday morning, 5.30. 
Good morning. Nice to have you company. Welcome to Monday, the day of the week that you don't enjoy. The day of the week you think, I really, really want to stay in bed today. I do not want to get up. If you are actually, the moment you're up, it's fine. It's having the shower, isn't it? You have the shower, and then you feel kind of ready to face the day. Until you've done that bit, you could just put your feet up on the set. I've done it myself. I've done it myself. You put your feet up, and you think, I'll just have five minutes. I'll just have an extra five minutes, but uh, it, it, it doesn't work, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, and uh, we were right last week... They are going to reopen the case of uh, Natalie Wood in America in, in light of various allegations that have come out recently. Uh, Robert Wagner apparently exploded in rage at Natalie before she fell overboard on the boat and drowned. I know that there are internet rumours everywhere on this one. It's almost like the, uh, the Diana conspiracy. You could almost sort of rerun it because this one's gone for ages and ages. But back when this happened, and it was 30 years ago... 30 years ago, nobody really knew anything because we weren't out there. It's just that we knew that she'd actually got into a, a dinghy to, to row to shore after whether it was an argument or something. We have no idea. And then it happened. But when they found her, she had bruises and things like that. And, um, and then everybody sort of went very quiet about the whole thing. Great shame. Great shame. She'd been nominated for, for an Oscar, I think. And she was, she was on her way up the ladder. On her way up the ladder. So if they open that again, I wonder what the dickens they're going to find. I wonder. Because the people involved are fairly old now, aren't they? Robert, Robert Wagner's uh, quite old. What will they find? I don't know. 84850, uk. I'll tell you very soon what they found after 70 years. You'll love it. I think it's quite exciting. I think it's really quite exciting. It was as exciting as Sunita having a breakdown in the, in the jungle and everybody's sort of... Uh, Pretty laughing at the fact she doesn't like snakes and creepy crawlies. I thought I would be the same person. I would be screaming in there. You know, somebody's only got to produce, you know, creepy cr- Oh, dear, I can't even... Some, you know, sometimes you're lying in bed, and all of a sudden you think, I think there's something crawling up my neck. And I remember once, I sat in the car once, and I'd walked through a spider's web as I'd come out in the morning. Some adventurous spider, over-amorous, no doubt. And as I walked through, I could feel, I could feel the web on the top of my head. I didn't realise that the spider had come with it. So I'm sitting in the car, and all of a sudden I can feel this thing moving down the back of my neck. Oh, it was terrible. Danny Minogue. You could download her from uh, from the LBC website, as she was a guest in conversation, has uh, said the only way is Essex ladies are all slap and no trousers. They're certainly slap. They're certainly slap. She says they've got no idea at all. They spend so much time on their heavy makeup. they've got no time for proper work. The good news is that Lauren Goodyear, that's the woman with the foul fishwoman's wife, uh, uh, terminology, uses every word under the sun. I've never heard such filth emanating from one person. She said that she could be the next one to leave because uh, the show isn't doing for her what she wanted it to do. It's because you're foul mouth, that's why. Don't hear that kind of thing on the on the television. It's dreadful. Uh, Jack says, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thought Wembley Arena was a, a no-no, Steve. The sound quality was rank poor. Too much space for two people to dance spoiled it for me. Yes, it was absolutely... It was, it was too big. They they were lost on the floor. They didn't know what to do. They they didn't cover it. You couldn't hear the orchestra. Bruce couldn't hear his cues. It was it was just just a horrible mess. Horrible mess. Horrible mess. Uh, are you referring? Says Rod to the underground mountain range. No, we did the underground mountain range last week. That was the one underneath Antarctica, two miles down. I mean, I thought that was exciting. This one's even more exciting. Even more exciting. You'll never guess what it is. Because to be honest with you, I I didn't even know that this thing hadn't been discovered. We, we knew of it. It's going to drive you mad, isn't it, this one? I can tell you. This one is, is really going to go for it. Uh, I'm going to tell... I'm, 
I'm going to make you wait till five past six. It's going to be five past... I have to, I have to wait till five past six, because it's so exciting. It's the kind of thing that you think... If you, if, if you showed the public this, and there are, there are some pictures in the, in the paper today, you're, you're going to be going, oh, my good... Well, I mean, that's... It's just too exciting. It's, it's like discovering another tomb in the Valley of the Kings that is so perfect that it is as pristine now as it was the day that it was installed. But it's not a tomb in the Valley of the Kings. Uh, Joseph says, I'm proud to say that I took my cycling proficiency test when I was in my last year in primary school as a, a result of being rightly told off for riding my rally chopper on the pavement. So you sh- I'm sick to death of this. Round here and, and where I live, out Twickenham Way in Richmond, people are cycling on the pavements all the time. It's become the norm. But it is, uh, it is illegal to cycle on the pavement. John in Blackheath says, I know, they found the Holy Grail. Wouldn't it be lovely? Wouldn't it be just what... I mean, to, to be honest with you, I can't think of what would be the most exciting thing to find in the world. What would be the most... I can't think of anything that would be the most exciting... I don't know, an underground city. We used to get... Uh, somebody years ago used to phone LBC, and they said, did you know that there is secret London, underground London? And I said, like what? And they said, you go into a department store in Oxford Street, you go down into their basement, and there is all these Dickensian shops. And I went, wow. That is really exciting. Of course, it was a load of old rubbish. It was absolute rubbish. But the best thing is, in Regent Street, halfway up, on the left-hand side, there is a furniture store. And there's nothing unusual about the fact it's a furniture store, except this one used to be a cinema. And when you go in there, the screen is at the back, the big uh, lighting box for the cameras is in there, and to the right-hand side at the back is the cinema organ. It's all still there, and you walk in, and you can see exactly what it used to look like. Check it out on Google. But that's not what they found. They found something even more exciting. Are you? Do you love being British? Guess who is most proud of being British? Muslims are the most patriotic, according to a recent survey. And uh, 83% love being British, compared to 79% of the rest of us who love being British. Do you like being British? I love being British. I, can't, I don't want to be anything else. I'm quite proud, you know. I mean, when I go abroad, I look forward to coming back to this country. It doesn't matter how dirty it is. It doesn't matter how filthy it is. It's, it's the fact that it's, that it's British, and I like it. I'm very proud of it. It's like being in the middle of London here. It's like being in Leicester Square. It's nice. I know it's, at the moment it's a tip, but it's, it's going to look really lovely, and I've seen photographs of what it used to look like years ago, and I'm, I'm quite looking forward to, to seeing it again. Are you, are you proud of being British? It's always, a sen- it's always a bit of a touchy subject, isn't it? Are you allowed to say proud of being British? I think so. If 83% of Muslims topped the pride chart with being British... It was only, uh, I think they did 2,000 people in this survey, which is, which is probably an average survey, I would have thought. But it's, I think it's great. You've got to be proud of being something, haven't you? I'm, I'm sort of proud of being 5 foot 10. I think you could be proud of being 5 foot 10. I don't know, I don't know, can you? I'm proud of being short. I was watching the Ricky Gervais programme the other night... And I was thinking, you know, all, all the, the little people who work the pantos and things like that. Somebody said, one of them was out at Edinburgh and he was trying to drum up interest in his show and some little kids came up and said, why are you so tiny? And he said, because God made some people tall and some people little. And I'm one of the little people. And they went, right. <laughs> that was, there was no answer to it. They, they, just, they just kind of like the idea that little people are, sort of make you smile. Uh, Helen in Chigwell says, maybe I could send my husband to help at the airports. He's doing a great impression of a foghorn. Obviously another snorer, I'm afraid. Snoring is, uh, is, is particularly bad. In fact, actually, it's dangerous. I didn't realise that snoring was, was actually so, so bad for people because effectively you can sort of, 
uh, somebody said you stopped breathing for a moment. And it's all to do with this, the vibrating palate and, you know, you could have put a tennis ball in the back of your pyjamas or sleep with a packet of peas on your forehead or sleep on your side. But I, I've known marriages where they've ended up having to sleep in separate bedrooms because either one or the other. If you are prone to snoring, the chances are you're either a drinker, a smoker, you're overweight or you eat a lot of fried fatty foods. So that's 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 that. Or you've got a rumbly tummy like me. Rumbly tummies are terrible. I don't know. I heard somebody the other day on the television. They had a rumbly tummy, and I thought, oh, thank goodness, there's somebody else like me. There is somebody else like me out there. Bill Nighy's like me. He likes new socks every day. Yeah, you see, it's the first time I've ever found anybody who likes who likes new socks. Did you read about Prince Philip and the wind farms? He would say. I didn't realise the royal family make money out of wind farms. They make about £38 million a year because under the uh, the Crown Estate, which is the Queen's £7 billion land and property portfolio, they lease it to developers to build massive offshore turbines. So, you know, Philip going, they're making £38 million a year. I wonder if he knows that. I know he's 92. I love him dearly. I think he's great. I love characters like that. I think characters are, are very, very good. Uh, Jacqueline would rather watch paint dry than watch Adrian and Christine. Yes, I mean, it's such a clever thing to do, to have, you know, two people that gel. You can't just put two people together. You have to, you know, you have to sort of work it out very carefully. Uh, are you referring, Steve, says Colin, to the Spitfire? that was recently dug out of the bog in Ireland, and the guns of which still fired? No, I'm not. not It's more exciting than that. It's more exciting than this. I didn't even know about the Spitfire. He said it was an international one, paid for by a Canadian family serving in a British squadron, squadron, flown by an American and crashed in Ireland. They imprisoned the American pilot after he bailed out. Nope, it's not that one. It's even more exciting. It's even more exciting. I, I quite like the idea... Um, <laughs> um, in fact, I'm, I'm looking at a picture of it now. It's so exciting. I'm not even going to tell you which, which paper it's in. <coughs> so I want to know this morning, if you got disrupted by the fog, are you good with things like that? Or are you one of these people, you know, we watch people on the television, on the reality show, shouting at the, the people there. Sorry? They... Oh, right, fog. Yes, the fog thing. And, uh, yes, if you were disrupted by the, by the fog. Are you good, though, at sort of going getting up to the airport, and when they tell you your flight's not going, then you go, well, what are you supposed to do about it? And they go, well, it's fog. We can't, you know, it's an act of God. We can't just sort of stand out there and go, blow the fog away so we can get the plane to take off. Because some people lose their temperature. Well, I've been standing here for hours. And you go, we can't, listen, it's snowbound. What do you think we're going to do? Unfortunately, all the advice was there. The advice is from everybody, all the experts, that if you've got a flight and you're going up to Heathrow or any airport, you always check beforehand that the flight is running. I mean, to save you doing the journey, to save you actually going to the airport, parking the car, putting, you know, your money in for the duration, going in there and they go, it's fogbound. And so we can't take off. I mean, to be honest with you, you'd think they could, wouldn't you? You would think that planes, as they fly themselves, would be able to actually take off and land in fog. It's like here, we have snow. And when the snow comes down, like it did last year, all of a sudden, flights don't take off. And I keep thinking, wait a minute, we went to Kittler, which is inside the Arctic Circle, and they're knee-deep in snow for six months of the year. And they managed to get planes taking off and landing. Why can't we do it? You know, over in, in Las Vegas, they have, you know, lots and lots of heat waves and everything else, and people that, oh, I can't land a plane in that. 
There's always excuses. It's either too wet, too dry, too this, too that, leaves the wrong shape, snow, fog, everything else, and you cannot land the plane. Well, they manage it everywhere else. Why can't we do it? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. If you were inconvenienced by the... Uh, uh, the, uh, the fog yesterday. And also, are you proud to be British? Are you proud to be British? What are you proud to be? And what's the most British thing? Apparently, at the moment, it's Shakespeare. Of course, very, an awful lot of controversy over that new film as to whether or not Shakespeare actually wrote anything at all. I'm of the inclination that I don't think he did. But then that's very controversial just to say that because there's going to be somebody who disagrees and they will say, well, of course he rewrote it. But there's no evidence. There's no, there's no copies. There's no nothing. No nothing at all out there. Quarter to six... These are the headlines for you. Passengers have been advised to check with their airliner flying from Heathrow or London City Airports this morning. This is after more than 100 flights were cancelled due to fog yesterday. A man's due in court later, charged over attacks on four police officers who were stabbed and wounded in northwest London. 32-year-old Christopher Houghton was charged with three counts of attempted murder and five other offences last night after the attack in Kingsbury on Saturday. And British citizens have been warned to stay away from Tahrir Square in the Egyptian capital Cairo after violent clashes left at least 11 dead. For a second day, security forces surged on thousands of protesters chanting against the ruling military council. Let's have a check on the roads. Downstairs to the LBC, 97.3 Travel Centre, and it's Andy McCall. Thank you, Steve. Uh, situation, no real change. It's... Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. So, fog affected you yesterday. If you've been to Winter Wonderland, I'd love to know what you thought, as I did. It was so... Pa- I know I was stupid to have gone on a Sunday, but it was it was unbearably uh, packed. No carters up there this year. Well, I didn't notice them anyway. But they've got a few other... There's a few few new rides, but they've got loads more stalls. They're obviously, it's a, a huge money spinner. And uh, 83% of Muslims... <coughs> excuse me. I'm a bit ill, I'm afraid, today. Love being British. And I wonder whether you love being British as well. Only 79% of us, us non-Muslims, uh, love being British. I love being British. Nice to be proud of something, isn't it? I think it's absolutely great. And still to come, uh, it's back. 67 years later. What is it? I can't tell you. They've just found it. It's very exciting. They, as I say, they, they knew it was there, um, and then they uh, they uncovered it, as it were. And so it's, it's back. It's back. Uh, Noreen says, I hope you had a, a great weekend. I would be if it wasn't for this stupid throat. It's so, I, I hate being, I'm not an ill, I don't do illness, I'm afraid. I'm not one of these people who sits there and go, Bob, Bob, I can't go to work. You know, as you're a kid, you do that, don't you? Wake up in the morning <coughs> and you sort of, uh, you, you, you have a bit of a cold and a sniffle. You go, well, I can't go to, I can't go to school now, can I? <laughs> so the idea is that when you get a bit older, you start, um, I've got tablets and pills everywhere trying to stave things off. But today I feel like going home and sort of strapping a hot water bottle to me. That's what I feel like, I'm afraid. Uh, we saw the Bee Gees, says Noreen, in 1998. They were fantastic. Probably the most professional show we've ever seen. I'm a big fan of the Bee Gees. Big, big fan. Strange enough, we talked about them, didn't we, with Stephen Merchant talking about the Bee Gees and that moment when they walked off Clive Anderson's show because he insulted them. He was rude. But they've had so much tragedy from Andy Gibb, who had his uh, drug problems, to Morris, who was married to Lulu at one time, and, uh, and now Robin, not very well. Uh, Johnny says, I wasn't going to watch Celeb Get Me Out of Here, but thanks to the public voting for Sunita to do most of the trials and enjoying her hysterical moments, it's become my schadenfreude. Maybe if she stopped mentioning Simon Cowell at any given moment, it might make the public get to know and warm to her. Nah, you keep saying. What would Simon think? 
keep making me think, have an early Christmas present of laughing. Yes, I mean, the trouble is we always have one every year, don't we? And the more somebody does something and the more they, they scream, the more we laugh. We can't help it. It's just, it's just other people's misery that we thrive on. I mean, but, I mean, bearing in mind, they are being paid. This isn't something they're actually doing, you know, f- for fun. They're doing it to raise a profile and to earn some decent money. I mean, it's more money than you and I will ever see. Uh, Gary, in guessing what this item is, he said they haven't found a full-size chocolate wagon wheel, have they? Well, you wouldn't have it anyway, would you? <laughs> I like the idea of finding a... Uh, a giant, because they look much smaller, all these things now. Uh, he went racing on Sunday, although the fog and the swamp made it tough going. He says, I have cycle insurance, which I pay over £100 a year for and would gladly pay a tax for the cycle. However, there's no such thing as road tax, as it's a vehicle tax, so it would need to be a cycle tax, but with zero emissions, uh, it wouldn't be that much. The only thing that some cycles have to do is, to, is sort of the right to take up the whole road. Not me, though. And I don't ride across red lights. I'm just debating if to cycle on the 18 miles round trip today as my legs are in bits after doing this. I don't know how people get up in the morning. And Although, round our way, they all cheat. They all actually cheat, and they, they, they put their, their bicycles on the train. So as opposed to cycling in, they sort of they, they do most of it on the train, and then they get off the other, I'm a cyclist. And they stand on the train with their, with their hats on, and they go faster stripes and everything else. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk, sorry, 08456060973. Simon Calder uh, says there is more cancellations this morning. So you must check, as we said on the news a minute ago, if you're taking off from Heathrow, London City Airport, uh, so far British Airways has cancelled 30 flights to Heathrow because the aircraft and crews are out of position. This is after yesterday. It's not the fact that sometimes the weather affects it. It's because all the planes that would have taken off and landed yesterday are in the wrong place. So the crews are in the wrong part, so they've had to cancel 30 flights already. Uh, Four flights from the Docklands Airport this morning have so far been cancelled. Most UK airports are working normally, though a number of domestic services from Manchester, Newcastle and Scottish airports have been cancelled because of the problems at Heathrow. So it's the the knock-on effect. So if you are travelling, check with the airport first, check with with your carrier and uh, then you won't waste time. Richard says, I left home at 7am yesterday, drove 25 miles to Betchworth to play golf, and he's find the course was closed, so I had a cup of coffee and returned to London and went to the Imperial War Museum, which is one of my favourite museums. It's a very nice place to go to. Very nice. Uh, Bridget says, uh, David is going to Zippo's Cirque Extremes opening tomorrow night at Winter Wonderland. <coughs> it was absolutely packed. Just, I mean, it was so... It was heaving. My advice is, don't take lots of money. Well, you have to take some money, obviously, but don't... Don't display wealth on offer. It's too packed for me. It worries me. Wherever there is a, a lot of people in one particular area, I always think to myself, you know, there is the danger that somebody will be trying to relieve you of some of your goods. So bags. I saw one man standing behind a woman and she had a, a bag over her shoulder. It was like a, a handbag, but it was open. And I thought it's so easy for people just to brush up in a crowd, slip their hand in and, and take something out of it. And I'd hate to think that you'd have a, a miserable time. Uh Steve, the, this thing you mentioned that the over 40s would be surprised at, was it your first pay slip? Gee, I wish I'd kept my first pay slip. £5.19 and sixpence. £5.19 and sixpence was my first pay slip. I thought I'd arrived. It wasn't in radio, I'd hasten to add £5.19 and sixpence. Not even £6. Not even £6. For a week's work. For a week's work. Heavens above. And uh, Martina says, yes, I did get affected by the delays. I had to deal with all the stranded passengers. I'm just on my way there again. Work at Heathrow. Poor me. Yes, but it's all right if you're sitting behind your desk going, hello, hello. No, your flight's not going. Sorry? 
I haven't got any idea where, who the captain is. You go and get a cup of tea over there. We give you a shout when it's ready. Check the board for details. Thank you. Did you have a flight affected by yesterday's foggy conditions? 84850. Chris in Essex says, I'm proud of being English. And the wife loves full English, even with the snoring. This snoring thing, you know. Proud to be a cyclist. Please give all the usual LBC anti-cyclist stuff a break, says Harry and Sutton. Yeah. Well, it's good to be proud to be a cyclist. Do you have insurance, though? Do you jump red lights? Have you ridden on the pavement? Are you a considerate person? Are you wearing sort of, you know, day-glow colours so we could see you at night? Do you have lights on your bike? I see so many people riding, you know, with no lights. And those ones I shout at as well. Because it's illegal. You know, are your tyres pumped up fully? You know, are you a considerate person? I hope you don't go out and do your shopping and then cycle home, you know, with one hand on the wheel and the other one handing your shopping, which I've seen on many an occasion. Or feeling that even worse. Two shopping bags, one either side of the handlebars, cycling along. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. like me driving the car with my hand out the window, holding a bag of shopping. I'm on your side, says Connie. I get angry when I see somebody cycling on the pavement. What can we do to stop them? Well, if, if the police see them, they, they do generally pinch them and they give them a fine. And I like, I like that idea because, it's, you know, we don't wander about in the middle of the road. Sometimes people do, don't they? Sometimes people do. Uh, if you've been to Winter Wonderland, have you been? I want to know what makes you proud to be British. Is there something that makes you proud to be British? Apart from waking up at this ridiculous time of the morning on a Monday and going, here we go, another happy week at work. Because not only is today the beginning of five days of you shopping madly online, so they tell you, so there's a couple of the, uh, the internet people who've have got special deals on, all they're doing is just telling you it's a sale, but they're doing it under the guise of, this is traditionally the day when you buy all your Christmas presents online, so it's, it's a bit of a non-event. But they've sort of drummed up interest, and I, I, probably, I probably helped a little bit. What makes you proud to be British? And did you have a, a flight affected yesterday by the conditions? And are you trying again today? Because I'm not sure if you get any compensation. I don't think there's any compensation coming from, from the airlines, because it's, uh, it's an act of God, I'm afraid. And they, they say if it's an act of God, well, nothing we can do about it. So you can stand there and shout and rant. The sensible people will have heard it on LBC 97.3 this morning, and they'll be saying to themselves, well, I'm not going to the airport, I shall phone again later. And if the situation changes and my flight comes in, well, then, fair enough, we'll make the, the journey. But you don't need to make the journey until you've discovered whether or not the flight is actually taking off. And, uh, and what have they discovered after 67 years? What have they just found... I mean, it's, it was obviously quite a, a labour to find it. And I can tell you, it's intact. It's intact. So, And it's not an aircraft in a bog in Ireland. It's not a giant wagon wheel. It's not an Egyptian tomb. It's not a, a mountain range under Antarctica. Nearly 70 years they found this, this thing again. And they've had a look at it. And they've taken a photograph. And it's perfect. It's, I mean, it would be a great tourist attraction if, if not for various logistics which make it not a tourist attraction. So, what is it? You'll find out a little bit later on. And we've... Uh, well, you have. You've, uh, you've pushed Russell, Russell Grant out of the dancing on I think because people finally accepted that he can't dance and it isn't a one-man silly show. You know, it isn't some fat gay bloke prancing around on the floor in an oversized costume or being shot out of a cannon. You know, it is, it's a dancing programme. It's called Strictly Dancing. You know, that's what it is. It's dancing. It's not, it's not let's do a pantomime recreation. You know, funny though it was the first time round, now they appear to be just looking for silly things. As he said, he hasn't actually bothered to learn any of the dance steps. He's just doing what he thinks looks right. And obviously the public decided they'd had enough of it. 
And so <laughs> that's gone. And uh, still fab, 20 years on, sweetie darling, we're back. Uh, after two decades, when they first took their swig of Bolly, the stars of Absolutely Fabulous are getting together, and they look the same. They look the same. It's almost embarrassing, I'm afraid. Uh, Jennifer Saunders, who is now 53, uh, has got, uh, I think there's a few more shows. She has resurrected outrageous fashion PR Edina Monsoon and reunited with Joanna Lumley, Jane Horrocks, Julia Sawala and the fabulous June Whitfield, who I think must be about 84 now, if not older, and still looks amazing. And uh, it might not be the last one. As Miss Saunders has spoken of an abfab film, she said, we thought it would be hilarious if Adina and Patsy went to a party on a, an oligarch's yacht, got drunk, fell asleep, and woke up in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so there's the storyline. You've only got five minutes to wait till I tell you what they've just found. 70 years on. I'm a bit excited myself, actually. I'm a bit excited because I know what it is. I should tell you about that. And as I say, good luck to Kerry Katona. But uh, I think now, Kerry, uh, your big brother Cash, because apparently her friends think that's a proper job going on Big Brother, you know, and having your hair done for a silly reality show. But, you know, there's an agency now that grooms people for reality shows. They tell you how to behave so that you can get yourself a job on a reality show. How sad is that in this day and age? It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We're a, bit, a little bit bunged up. But the news is next. On FM... On- Good morning. Nine minutes past six. Don't go to the airport. Please don't go to the airport. Because check first. Because after all the flights that were cancelled the other day, 100, the knock-on effect is that many of the planes that you might be catching this morning are in the wrong place. The crews are in the wrong place. And so that's having the knock-on effect around the country. So the advice is check with your carrier before you go to the airport. That's what Simon Calder told me to tell you. So I merely pass it on to save you a wasted journey. Uh, In South Africa, says uh, Justine, it's safer to ride bicycles on the pavement. The roads are not wide enough to accommodate cars and cyclists. I was knocked off my bike as a result of a motorist not being aware I was there because of this blind spot. Every car has actually got that. Every car's got a blind spot where all of a sudden cars behind you just, just disappear. And you have to look, because sometimes you go to pull out and you hear beep, and you think, oh, crikey, another blind spot. Amazing the uh, reaction after the story on the front page of The People yesterday, which was the X-Factor favourite, Amelia Lilly, has told of her fear that a daily battle with chronic diabetes could leave her blind. It was, it was slightly misleading, because they did it as a sensational story, almost like, you've got to vote for her, she's going blind. Well, every diabetic, as we pointed out before, she is fine, she's healthy, she's suffered, she's had it for 11 years So she's learnt how to control it, as everybody does. And she says all this nonsense about having to uh, up her observation of her blood sugar levels because she's on X Factor is rubbish. She injects four to five times a day, says Junior, and says she's fine. She should know better. I mean, depending on what it is, your, your, your stress levels go up and down, and that can affect your diabetes as well. You know, if you're not feeling very well, like I'm not feeling too sparkly this morning. I've had my flu jab, you know, and and I don't think I'm getting flu. I think I've just got this, whatever it is, it's a thing that makes your throat feel very tight and you just feel a bit you feel like sort of wrapping a hot water bottle around your throat i'm afraid he says um but then again what price x factor fame well that that's what they do as you know it's it's tabloid reporting to try and drum up interest in something that you know she's known it's not like she's only just had it and she's not going blind there is there is a possibility she might but it's checked they check very carefully now so uh that's just one of the stories running. I'll tell you in a minute what it is that they've just discovered. 
And I'll tell you how they've only just discovered it as well, which is even more interesting. But uh, the other thing, if you had a flight affected by yesterday's conditions, do let us know. And uh, 83% of Muslims say they're proud to be British. Are you proud? What makes you proud to be British? I love everything about it. I love everything. I look at programmes about, about the country on the television. Uh, mind you, I, I could be equally as proud of being in Antarctica. And you have to watch David Attenborough, and I think, that looks lovely, doesn't it? And then you watch all sorts of things going on. So what makes you proud to be British? 0845 6060973 or LBC973. What makes you proud to be British? Don't tell me it's a cup of tea. I don't want to hear a cup of tea at this time of the morning. Uh, Steve, it's not Lord Luke and they found, is it? No. And uh, they found the needle in the haystack, says Stevie. Nope. It's, not, it's even more exciting than that. It is even more exciting. Um, I'm proud to be British, says Linda, because we're such a humane society. It's not the Ice Age elephant or the alien at Rothwell, is it? Nope. It's even more exciting than that. It, I mean, I could understand if they've... You know, my ultimate thing to find would be... I don't know, a hidden mansion under the ground which is perfectly intact and has been covered over by bulldozers and you open it up and the family is still living in it. You know, that would be quite funny as far as I'm concerned. Or anything that's, you know, if they find a tomb in the Valley of the Kings or the Queens in Egypt, that's very exciting. That's always... But it's, it's better than that. Because this was the subject of a film. And it was a film, I'll give you a clue, that starred Steve McQueen. What they found is untouched for almost 70 years the tunnel used in the Great Escape. And the reason they found it is because, you remember, the tunnel remained undisturbed over the decades because it was behind the Iron Curtain and the Soviet authorities had no interest in its significance. But British archaeologists have found it. 70 years later, it was nicknamed Harry the Tunnel, strangely enough, by the Allied prisoners, after the audacious breakout from the prisoner of war camp Stalagluf III in western Poland. Strangely enough, it is totally intact inside. The day that it was sealed, it is absolutely perfect. They've dug down about six feet to find the entrance to the tunnel, and inside, to stop it collapsing, the bedboards, which they took off the beds, the trolleys on the wheels so that they could slide along, because you can't walk in it, and even the powdered milk containers, known as Klimtins, remained in working order. 30 feet below ground... This tunnel has survived. Uh, they've also found the metal buckets, the hammers and the crowbars. 600 prisoners worked on this. 600 prisoners worked on it. I'll give you some more facts and figures in, in a moment. But it's, it's quite an amazing discovery. The kind of thing you think, I thought that would have been filled in ages ago. But no, it's perfect. LBC 97. Steve Allen. Good morning. 20 minutes past six. Nice heavy company. It's LBC 97.3. Steve Allen's early breakfast. So they found, after 70 years, the tunnel used in the Great Escape. Adolf Hitler was furious. This was the, uh, the tunnel, nicknamed Harry, because they had three. Tom, Dick and Harry. And uh, Harry, they have found again. Uh, on the night of March the 24th and 25th, 76 airmen escaped through Harry. Barely a third of the 200 prisoners. Many had, because you've probably seen the film, uh, fake German uniforms, civilian outfits, and they carried false identity papers. Unfortunately, uh, escapee number 77 was the one who was caught, and he was the one that then blew it open for the Germans. Only three made it back to Britain. Fifty were executed by the Germans on Adolf Hitler's orders. He was so furious about the breach of security. In all, 90 boards from the bunk beds... 
This tunnel is only two feet square, remember. So they had little... They were on wheels. And they were pulled along from the other end to get people out as quick as possible. They used 62 tables, 34 chairs, 76 benches, thousands of items, including knives, spoons, forks, towels, blankets, all squirrelled away by the prisoners to aid the escape plan under the noses of the captors. And the the entrance to it was under um, a stove in one of the huts. And contrary to what the movie suggested, no Americans were involved in the operation. But because the film was made with American money, they have to put an American in there. But there were no Americans at all. In fact, most were British. The others, I think, were from Canada, Poland and Australia. And this latest dig, over three weeks in August, located the entrance to Harry, which was uh, under the stove in Hut 104. They found another tunnel called George, whose exact position had not been charted. I mean, you could just, you know, you watch these films and you realise these people are in there. And being the ingenious souls that they were, they decided to to dig their way out. So they put this tunnel together. And uh, one of them, Geordie King, who's 91, went back to Stalagluff 3. And uh, with tears in his eyes, he says, I'm amazed by what they've uh, found. If you want to see more on it, I'm delighted to tell you that Digging the Great Escape will be on Channel 4 next Monday at 9pm. So you can actually see it for yourself. It's the the piece of history that you never thought you probably never wanted to see it. But I, I find it sad that only three made it back to Britain. 50 were executed. Uh, by the Germans. Probably what's going to happen, I should imagine, to um, to the man that they've they've just found over in the desert, masquerading as a sheep herder. That's Colonel Gaddafi's favourite son. They say on the papers today that he could face death by firing squad. He apparently turned into the biggest coward under the sun, having seen the way his father was executed. He was probably thinking the same would befall him. Uh, the Libyan transitional government is refusing to hand over Saif al-Islam to the International Criminal Court, and fierce were growing... Fears were growing yesterday. He could face the same fate as his father, killed by a lynch mob after he was held by rebels. He, was, he claimed he was a humble camel herder when his car was intercepted by rebel fighters as he tried to slip over the border. He sort of, he'd, he'd, he's had his hair cut off and he rubbed dirt into his face and everything else uh, and in some attempt at a disguise, but it didn't work. And uh, there are uh, fears now that he might not actually make it to court. Remember, his father was uh, executed and we saw the moment on... On television. Uh, Dee says, I've often warned people about open bags or wallets poking out of back pockets. Most people are grateful, but some look at you like you're barking mad. Having had my purse stolen a few times, I don't like to think of anybody else going through it. Is the new discovery anything to do with TV or recordings? Well, it will be when you watch it uh, next week. I think it'll be fantastic. Uh, the Daily Star today talks about the fake tears. And uh, this is uh, Misha faking tears to save herself from the chop. Uh, fans said she only survived by deliberately crying to win sympathy. Well, of course. They're now getting to the desperate stage in the competition. I say competition. It's this loosely described competition because it's really quite clearly got nothing to do with singing. And, um, and they're all there. And, in fact, a person who was in the competition is now doing appearances in nightclubs and coining it that way. So there's no point in going on there thinking it's a singing competition. It's got nothing to do with that. It's whether you get loads of coverage by behaving badly. You know, if, if you're a heroin addict or, you know, you do a lot of drugs or, you know, your grandmother was killed in a, in a moon rocket launch in, you know, 1870, there's a very good chance you'll get through. If you're just a normal person with a very good singing voice, nobody's remotely interested. Or if you're a person who writes your own songs, for God's sake, don't tell them that. Because if you write your own songs, they definitely don't want you because they'll want you to sing covers. You know, they, they, want you to t- they, they want you to be a little bit like One Direction. You know, and so you go out there and you do what you're told... Okay, they don't mind a couple of little stories about maybe one of you at 17 going out with somebody a little bit older, or not as the case may be, but they don't want any stories of you falling down drunk 
you will present that wholesome image. It's a bit like the pop groups years ago or people who appeared on children's television. If you appeared on children's television, you never drank, you never went out with girls, you certainly weren't gay. Now, of course, we've got all... We've got everything on children's television. Gay, gay presenters, people who drink... I remember Morton Harkett talking about aha and saying that... Uh, he said we, we, we had to tell people that we didn't have girls, we didn't drink. He said we just drank milk. He said we were drunk most nights. That's what people do in the business. But nowadays, it doesn't matter whether you can sing, dance, or do anything at all. All they're interested in is coverage. So if you can get people to case spoof on the uh, on the singing competition on the television, it was just brilliant with, uh, with, with Pete Waterman. I mean, it was just brilliant. You know, you're out the competition. We've got loads of coverage. That's what they want. And then you put a big picture up of Grandma. It's a bit like The Only Way is Essex. I mean, that's turned into such a, a fraudulent programme. You know, I couldn't care less what happens to Nanny Pat. I'm really so bored with this dim family. You know, you know, the fat bloke in it, who apparently said... He, have you seen what he's been Twittering? I so miss my mate Mark and all the rest of it. It's a little bit too brotherly, love. It's a little bit, as one columnist today uh, describes it as, past the sick bucket. You know, my bro is in the jungle. And uh, thousands of you will face disruption because of the fog. Yesterday, more than 100 flights in and out of Britain's biggest airport were cancelled. More delays and cancellations this morning. So far, 30 flights inbound to Heathrow cancelled. That's this morning already, because the aircraft and the crews are out of position. A further 12 outbound departures have been cancelled by BA with BMI, and some European airlines also hit. Flights from London City are facing long delays and cancellations as a result of the problems. Don't go to the airport unless you have checked with your carrier. It'll save you the journey. You'll thank me for it. You'll be going, do you know, I'm so, so glad. Tom says, I see Richard Branson's tried to steal your thunder. He's not, is he? He wants to go and view the Titanic. Oh, that would... If, if, I, if I'd won the lottery, you can... I think it's about... It used to be about £30,000. They will take you out uh, to just over the wreck and you'll sit in a little submersible. I'm not very good at little submersibles. And they will take you, they will drop you two miles down and then they will turn on the lights. I think there's a switch down there somewhere. It's probably hidden under a rock or a lobster or something. You flick the switch and there is... There is the front bit of the Titanic. I mean, just a mo- I mean, I reckon that they all they could have to do for me is sit me in a submersible, you know, make it go all black, and then just transfer it into an aircraft hangar, and then just project something onto a wall. I'd probably believe it as well if they had air bubbles coming up. I mean, what a lovely thing to do before it just implodes, because of all the insects down there, these things which eat metal. Never heard of things which eat metal before. I just thought it was that guy Jaws in the uh, in the Bond movies, and they eat metal. So eventually, the thing will just go. It will just implode on itself. But at the moment, it's down there. My my favourite film, as you know, Into the Abyss, Into the Abyss, made by Disney, where they took the submersibles down there and they go in on the corridors. They go into a couple of the cabins. It's quite something else. It wasn't that long ago, really, when you think about it, in terms of. You know, in terms of historical things. But absolutely wonderful. So, did you have a flight yet uh, affected by yesterday's foggy conditions? Were you supposed to fly from any of the affected airports this morning? Have you just given it up now? It's a bad job. And 83% of Muslims say they're proud to be British. Are you proud? What makes you proud to be British? What makes you proud? The kind of thing where you go, do you know, you know, our royal family, I think, fantastic. Or, you know our sales in this country. I think they're absolutely marvellous. I love going to a... I don't. I can't bear sales. Just a lot of people pushing and shoving, as far as I'm concerned. You know, you, you're proud to be a member of the Cliff Richard fan club or something. You know, in no other country, you know, do we have our own homegrown talent. You're proud to be a... You know, or our history. You know, you drive past the Tower of London and I look at it and think, it's still standing. Tower Bridge is still standing. You know, Nelson's Col- Trafalgar Square. 
the National Gallery, all these things make you not necessarily proud, but you just think, I'm so glad they're here. It must be awful for people broadcasting in Manchester or something like that. You know, you just got Canal Street. Not as exciting. You know, here we... London's got everything. I went... Yesterday, we went down to The Mermaid, which, as you know, we're going to be at in a couple of weeks' time. And we went over to to find a Costa coffee. In fact, anybody's coffee, really. And I got completely lost and ended up outside St Paul's Cathedral. And I, I remember thinking, as we sort of approached, I remember thinking, oh, I love St Paul's. From the side, it looked fantastic. And then you look at the front and you look at the dog's dinner that is all these tents everywhere. And so we had a cup of coffee and that looked quite sweet. And, uh, and then on the way back, we went down this little lane to go back to Puddle Dock. And there's all these old Georgian houses and Victorian houses. And it was just like stepping back in time. And I thought, this is what London is all about. It's the history. It's the places that you never, ever go to. You never, ever go to. You wouldn't find these places. I'd never been there before. You know, I've seen certain bits of London, like just over the road here, where there's a little bit of Regency London and a little tiny passageway off Upper St Martin's Lane. And you never see, you know, you wouldn't go up there. I'd, I'd take people up there as like, you know, you must come and have a look at this because it's got little bow-fronted windows and little steps leading up to the front doors and it's, it's a perfectly preserved piece of London. And nobody goes up there. People use it for a, a wee place, you know, after they've been to the pub for the night. It's over the road from the Salisbury. So there you go, somewhere you can go today. It's LBC 97.3, it's Steve Allen's Early Breakfast and it's 6.30. <laughs> From the LBC 97.3 News Centre, I'm Sam Pittis. Thousands of people face disruption to their flights this morning as fog disrupts services at Heathrow for a second day. Good morning, Monday morning. Yuck, 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 yuck. That's only for the weather, I'm afraid. It's foggy, and because of the problems with the fog yesterday, it means if you're going to the airport today from Heathrow or London City or just around the country, the knock-on effect is that some flights will not be operating. I think they've cancelled about 30 this morning, and I think uh, four or five out of London City Airport. So do check with your carrier, first of all. If you were supposed to fly, do let us know. And uh, 83% of Muslims in a recent survey say they're proud to be British. So we're now trying to find out this morning what makes you proud to be British. Is it? I mean, I think, it's, I think people come to London for the history. I know some people come here because of the benefit system, but that's completely different to the hospitals and things like that. But most people, I think, come here to go and see the tourist attractions, don't they? They go to little Shakespeare's birthplace... And they go to Buckingham Palace and they watch the changing the guard and they hope to see a member of the royal family and they go to the Tower of London and, and they walk up and down the streets and they like the shopping. Because we were, we were filming the other day in Oxford Street opposite Selfridges and uh, chock-a-block with people. But nobody appeared to be buying very much, which I always find quite interesting. So what makes you proud? To be, is it our shopping that makes you proud? 84850, LBC973 or 08456060973. And another story, which I really love. This is, this is one, of, well, there's two actually. There's one about garden gnomes. And I've got a bit of a thing about garden gnomes, I'm afraid. I've got a great thing about garden gnomes in a moment because they've, they've come under fire. But there's a very good reason why they have. Bad bosses tyrannise three quarters of the British workforce. For nearly a quarter of us, the boss from hell is, <coughs> excuse me, is the bureaucrat. A fusspot like Sir Humphrey Appleby from uh, the comedy Yes Minister, unable to deviate from the rule book, they drive minions to distraction. Next most common, the egomaniac who cannot resist taking credit for the team's success. A fifth of bad bosses are visionary, David Brent types, too busy coming up with grand plans to bother with running the office. And complete opposites, the volcano and the cold fish making up 32% of bad bosses in the UK. Emotionally volatile, the volcanic type, 
is never the same from one day to the next, while cold fish bosses often misinterpret social cues and believe they're being deceived. Compiled by a psychologist, this survey of adults was done to mark the release of a film. <laughs> They'll do anything to get themselves in a paper nowadays. Wait a minute, we're having a film coming out. Uh, let's commission this and we get it in the paper. And then as long as you get the plug-in for the film. So there you go. Dr Jung says, now we can identify the five distinct species which may make it easier to understand them in the workplace. It doesn't help, though, does it? I mean, you you might actually have sort of... uh, have actually had them there. Have you had a bad boss? Did you have a bad experience? Do you want to share it? 0845 6060 973 84850 LBC 973. You can tell me in total confidence... He says with his fingers crossed. You know, just in case your boss might be listening. There's a very good chance your boss could be listening this morning. So you know what him to go, I recognise that voice. Do let me know. And there's another story about garden gnomes. They've got a, a Christmas market in Birmingham. And this is the Frankfurt market. And for some reason, somebody's got a stall there selling garden gnomes. They're not just any old garden gnomes. There is one, a gnome hanging from a, a noose. <coughs> Excuse me. There's... I don't know why it would be funny. There's a there's an adult only section, and there's garden gnomes covered in blood and holding severed heads. Apparently, church leaders believe the stall is ruining the market's image. Bishop John Aldred said, Joe Aldred, the message at this time of year should be about peace on earth, not sex and violence. I don't know, peace on earth and sex and violence is okay, isn't it? I don't think it makes too much difference. But I mean, gnomes. I mean, I've I've seen some of these rude adult gnomes. A spokesman for uh, for Birmingham City Council said the stallholder would hide the products away. Well, it's not just not very festive, is it? Have you noticed though? There's there's very little festive thing. You don't see too many images of the baby Jesus out there, mainly because it, it's not it's not a religious festival. Christmas. It's just it's it's a merchandising festival. It's out there so that we so that people go out and stuff themselves silly. And, and buy each other presents, which have got absolutely nothing to do with Christianity or the Bible or anything at all. How's an iPad anything to do with the baby Jesus? The answer is not. You know, people don't go and buy religious artefacts anymore, unless you're going to Rome or Lourdes, in which case you'll buy some holy water or you'll buy a... I, th- I think Catholics like buying things like that. But I looked at the market yesterday, and there was very little that was, that was religious. And I suppose we've, we've, we've kind of moved away from that. But uh, is that a bad thing? More and more churches closing down, I'm afraid, turning them into flats and houses and stuff like that. We've got one which is an arts centre down in Teddington. It's lovely. I have fantasised on a few occasions turning it into a fabulous house with a, a swimming pool and everything else in the basement, taking people in there and going, wow. There is one for sale, actually, near me. It was never consecrated. It was built as a church, but never consecrated. Uh, and it's up for 12 million. And I thought, you know, if I won the lottery... You'd buy it. You'd buy it. When you buy it, I don't know what you'd have to do with the ceiling. We'll have to work that out. So, uh, garden gnomes covered in blood at a Christmas fair. I mean, whoever licensed that stall must be completely barley mad, I'm afraid. And it's supposed to be the start of five days of you all going mad buying online. Now, this is the, the pre-Christmas shopping rush. Judging by the amount of people out yesterday, uh, I think it's already started. I don't think it's got anything to do with Amazon and, and Comet. We're, we're supposed to spend online during the... Uh, during December, how much do you reckon? Seven point seven five billion pounds. Seven point seven five billion. That's what we're supposed to spend. Not me. Not me. I'm cutting back this year. Actually, they say people are spending on average, online shopping, three hundred thousand pounds a minute. Whoa! I thought it'd be more than that actually, because we do. I mean, I do do a lot of online shopping. It saves you having to queue up in the shops, park the car. You know, go out there, fight your way through people, stand in line, clutching that one item that you really want. Whereas you can go onto the internet, you can find these things. And the earlier you do it, the better it is. You've got it all in. 
And I've started sending out texts to people, just random strangers, you know, uh, what is it you would like for Christmas? Do let me know. And, uh, and so far, nobody's responded at all. I was hoping, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So I'm seeing my, my godchildren uh, on Saturday this week. And no doubt they will then have some ideas for Christmas presents, and then I can sort of sort out the Christmas presents. Because you need to do it early, but it's got nothing to do with, with going to church or anything like that. Although I have to be honest, candle, carols by candlelight is something that appeals to me greatly. It really does. I, I love things like that at all. But uh, I'm not sure you're going to start today, or are you? Because most people, nobody's got any money today. Because you don't get paid until, I'm assuming, Friday of this week. So there's no point spending now. I can imagine Friday, Saturday, you might go out spending money. Just as well I'm doing the lights in Twickenham on Friday. But <laughs> something you can spend down there. It'll be in restaurants, I suppose. Hardly going to go to Goods the Chemist to buy something for... Well, I don't know, you might, actually. Could do with some shower gel, actually. Some nice shower gel. I mean, like, quite nice. Uh, nothing to be proud of if you're British. Everything over the last 15 years has become worthless and corrupted, says Jason, who's obviously on a bit of a downer. I love it. I'm just... I'm, I don't just love the country. Even though... You know, we have our downsides, we've got tent cities all over the place. I still love it. I still walk past St Paul's, like I did on Saturday, and I look at it and think, Wren built that, and it's still here. It was bombed in the war. Over the river is the house where he could watch them, and it's got a blue plate. You'll, you'll, you'll miss it. Nobody goes to see his house, because everywhere he lived, it was over the road. So Hampton Court, when they were doing adjustments there, he had a house next to it, so he could keep an eye on what was going on. And the house that he had in London is very near Tate Modern. Ghastly place. Ghastly place. And so I can't bear Tate Modern. I've been through it. I just don't get it at all. And he had a house there. There's about three or four. I think it's rented out at the moment. And he could watch St Paul's being built. Uh, did you go to the new one change near St Paul's? You must go up to the roof terrace. Take your breath away. Is there a dress code for the third, says Jan? Well, clothes would be useful. Clothes would be useful. This is LBC 97.3. Good morning. Ten to seven is the time. Uh, John, who knows these things, says the latest scientific thinking is the Titanic will not implode for at least another 20 years. No, it's, I mean, I, I, I couldn't remember when it was going to be, but whatever it is, it is going to disappear. You know, one minute it'll be there, then the next minute it will just sort of... And you won't hear it, because it's two miles down. I hope they film it if it's going to happen. If they, they must, I think they've got things attached to it. I don't know how it works. But uh, it is the kind of thing that... We had all these things years ago. Do you remember? 20 things to do before you die. And mine was to go to Machu Picchu and to go down to the Titanic. I couldn't think beyond those two things. There was nothing else that was going on at all, I'm afraid. I mentioned swearing to you earlier on. And apparently a judge has said that swearing at police should no longer be considered a crime. He said, because police hear this language every day and it can no longer be considered offensive. He said, officers... This is Mr Justice Bean was so regularly on the receiving end of a rather commonplace expletive that it was unlikely to cause them harassment, alarm or distress. But you see them on the television. I've seen them on all the police programmes where they'll go out there late at night to Colchester or wherever it happens to be, Brentford or something, and there'll be a drunk on the street who will swear at them and he'll go, don't swear, don't swear at me. You're the same way, because if it's not going to be considered offensive, all the people can now happily go to Liverpool airport and swear at the EasyJet staff because normally the staff turn round and go, don't swear at me a kind of thing in their funny little Liverpudlian accents and, and if it's not going to be considered, you know, a crime then you can probably get away with it I think all staff were taught, if somebody swears at you you put the phone down, don't swear at me put the phone down, simple as that, you know, which frustrates you even more, so then you're left swearing at the telephone, which doesn't exactly solve any problems at all, so, but whether or not it's just going to be swearing at the police is not a crime Honestly, I think just swearing full stop. It's just a bit naff, isn't it? We all do it. Heavens above. 
I've used lots of rude words in my time. Uh, Sandra says, you're so right about London, it's an amazing place. It is. It is just, I mean, everything. You walk down the Strand, you know, you go down Fleet Street, you know, you look at all these different places, you go out a bit further, and I'm not too good that side of London, heading out, <coughs> excuse me, by the Tower of London, but, uh, but I love the centre, I love, you know, the middle of Fleet Street, I love walking through into the back to Lincoln's Inn Fields to look at the houses which have survived, oh, I just love it, just fantastic. Uh, strangely enough, says Kate, lovely to hear you mention the Salisbury pubs at Martin's Lane, Brings back wonderful uh, childhood memories as my Auntie Anne and her husband Joe ran the pub for many years during the 60s. I remember playing in the upstairs room and having loads of cherry aid and crisps. Was that when it was gay? Because it was a very famous gay pub for ages until it had a landlord in. I think it was Australian. didn't want gays in there. So they made it deeply unpleasant for people. But it had been famous over the years as a... I think it's a surviving Victorian pub. It's all mirrors. It's got a great staircase that goes up in, inside. Uh, Steve, my ex-boss, was a user... Underpaid me 150 hours and others as well. Took me over six months to get my wages back. He's now been demoted. I think they get people get comeuppance in the end because nowadays there are laws, there are rules. It's like people can't pick on you for you know for being an ethnic minority or something like that. I think some people take it to an extreme. There was um, a policewoman in the paper the other day. Grieves me to tell you she's suing the force because um, she can't stand. I think uh, violent outbursts. For a she doesn't want to go out and do, deal with demonstrations and things like that. And you begin to wonder after a while whether, how she ever made it through the system. We had a doctor, didn't we, who was needle-phobic and sued the NHS and won. People get all sorts of stupid... It's like, you know, I'm a radio broadcaster, I'm allergic to the microphone, I want money. You know, it's as stupid as that. Uh, another one here says, uh, proud to be British, says my... Mm. Nope, I can't think of anything just now. He says, I just think the whole thing... I think the whole package... You know, from the White Cliffs of Dover to Vera Lynn, who was at the Royal Albert Hall Festival of Remembrance the other week. Uh, Steve, I'm a British-born Muslim, proud to be British. One reason is that we're great givers to charity. The British are very generous. We do give. We do give. We are very good at giving. That's why we have, you know, lots of programmes on the television about giving. Although, to be honest with you, I can, I can do without Fern Cotton and a few other people on the BBC, and, uh, and then wheeling out celebrities to plug their latest book, film, play or single. And having seen, and it was so awful, I don't know how she ever got away with it, uh, poor old Susan Boyle, totally missing every single note in the song that she was singing. One, one Direction, I couldn't quite work out if they were miming, but they, they seem to have a good act. They're very wholesome, they're very, hello, little bit, little bit kind of eager beavers in your face, and they look good, they dress well, obviously being schooled very well. Even Jedward, to a certain extent, they're always well turned out. Mad as pots and pans, I'm afraid, but at least they're out there and they're doing something. And then you get Frankie Cocosa, who gets booed off stage at a nightclub because he attempts to sing, which is, you know, you thought he would have heard this programme. You cannot sing. You are tone deaf. You shouldn't even have been allowed in a, in a singing programme. So it's bad bosses this morning. It's the, the blooming fog which is affecting everybody. And if you've got meetings abroad, you must check with the, uh, with the airline before you go. Don't, don't get to the airport and then, then discover your flight's cancelled, because we did tell you about it. Uh, the fake crying, and uh, the only way is Essex, they say, could be heading for the big screen. They're thinking of making a... F I don't know why. Bunch of numpties who haven't got a brain cell between them, I'm afraid. I couldn't care less what they walk out of school with. They're quite clearly not world-savvy, half these people. And so, as a result, they say Sam Faiers, Joey Essex, and you won't find anybody dimmer. 
I mean, I'm, I found, until we saw Mark Wright on the, uh, on the uh, celebrity thing, I didn't realise that there were two of them. James Arge Argent, that's the fat bloke in it. Chloe Sims, 190 if she's a day. What a ridiculous creature she is. Uh, Nanny Pat, I mean, I mean, what? You just give up, don't you? I realise it's quite funny, but frankly, has our television degenerated that much? You know, there must be better things. I mean, there must be more exciting things, like, I see that uh, Aston Merigold, that's such a Christmassy kind of name, isn't it, from JLS, has just had a new tattoo done. He's had a cathedral tattooed on his arm. He's 23. What are you having tattoos done for? Grow up, don't be silly. You don't need a tattoo done. Blimey. I mentioned Danny Minogue at the beginning of the programme because she has slammed the Only Wears Essex, and she's, she's absolutely right. She says that they spend so much time in their hair makeup, they've got no idea for sort of proper work. She says uh, they have the thickest makeup you've ever seen and the longest lashes. It really like is a full-time job for them. I know, and not a brain cell between them, I'm afraid. Not a brain cell between them. And there she is, oh good lord, Helen Flanagan. This is the woman who says I'm going to quit Corrie because I'm actually quite a quiet person. Why don't you stay in more often then, love? I'm getting a bit bored with seeing you. As somebody said the other day, and it might have been Jane Moore who'd seen a picture of her twittering in a very low-cut dress, and said, listen, if you really are the shy, retiring wallflower that you keep telling us, why are you publishing these pictures of yourself all the time? The answer is because she's just... she's desperate. A little bit like Natasha Giggs. This is the, uh, the girl who had the, uh, the fling with the Man United star. You know, still dragging out her desperate five seconds of fame, which, to be honest with you, is just about enough, I think. I think we've had enough of these sort of people. But you never know, perhaps next year, you know, we make New Year resolutions. I've not made any for years now, because nobody keeps them. It's the same thing every year, isn't it? What are you going to give up next year? I'm going to give up smoking, I'm going to go on a diet, and I'm going to get myself fit. Two weeks into it, you've given up completely. And you just don't bother anymore, do you? Because you, you, you cannot be bothered with keeping up New Year resolutions. Prince Philip, as I say, is in all the papers today. No doubt people will be talking about wind farms, even though the royal family, or an offshoot of the royal family, part of their uh, crown estates, makes a lot of money out of, uh, of wind farms. And uh, a favourite national treasure... Shakespeare, 75% in a poll said Shakespeare was our favourite national treasure. Uh, the Beatles come way down the line with only 55%. Uh, Parliament at 47%. National Trust at 72%. And the Union Jack, 71%. So there you go. Those are the things that make us feel absolutely wonderful about being British. Hope you've enjoyed the programme this morning. Back with you tomorrow. Don't forget, if you go to the LBC website, you can learn how to podcast. It's very easy, very simple. Have a nice day. Wrap up warm. Do check with the airlines first if you're going up to Heathrow Airport, just to make sure, uh, it doesn't matter which airport it is, that your flight is running. OK? Wrap up warm. Talk to you tomorrow. Nick and the team after seven. First of all, business update. Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down 60 points at 53.